Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Blind Boys Politics. Nicholas Rod, Chris Baker here with you on this Friday morning. And Chris, start us off, as always, with the weather. In Los Angeles, California, it's sunny and 78 with a sunny weekend. In Houston, Texas, it's partly cloudy and 68 with another partly cloudy weekend. In Chicago, Illinois, it's sunny and 49 and partly cloudy weekend. New York City is partly cloudy, 44 with a sunny weekend. Sounds pretty good across the board to me. I don't know. When it's like 80, talk to me. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you there. But it, it is nice to see that temperatures are starting to go up. Depends who you ask. It looks a little cold in New York City. A little bit. A little bit. But that is supposed to go up. But So this weekend should be pretty nice um well decent at least um hopefully i have a better weekend than i had yesterday because i don't know about you nick but this week it seems like it's you know testing my patience a little bit i'd say for me this week i have just been completely burnt out um my spring break has started now and i couldn't be more thankful what are you gonna do about next week when i work you like a dog that's fine as long as i'm away from school i'm good (laughs) well let's see tuesday remaining i lost my apple pencil oh boy and then thursday i took off my glasses and they snapped in half oh yeah, this so, isn't really your week, is it? <laughs> I have old glasses that oh, I'm wearing. No. And apparently, I can't find the last ones, and there was a prescription tape, and I have bifocals. Do I need to say more? I haven't had a I didn't have a good day yesterday. It sounds I pretty did not rough. I have a good day yesterday. So, you know, hopefully next week will be better, or even this weekend would be nice. <laughs> All I can say is that it's nice to have you back. Um, obviously, you weren't here on Monday. Oh, yeah. I had allergies this week, and you can add that to the list, too. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me. Well, at least you're back, and your voice is working. I didn't give it time. Hmm. I, I gotta you know, say. You can tell I haven't been here in a while, because I couldn't even say California right. <laughs> <laughs> you know... We've said it before when when each of us has had to record alone, but but I'll say it again here. It doesn't feel right recording alone. I'm sorry, buddy. Better luck next time, though. Yeah. You're back now. It's all that matters. For now. For now. We'll we'll see what else can go wrong in my life. (laughs) We'll just hope for the best. Guys, if I'm here alone again on Monday, you know what happened. But nevertheless, because Nick was alone, I kind of lessened the news cycle for Monday and it got piled into today. So this is going to be a little bit longer of an episode, most likely. So let's just jump right into it, shall we? Yes, I think that'd be a good idea. So former officer Derek Chauvin accused of killing George Floyd. His trial started this week nearly 10 months after the death of George Floyd. Uh, The cops were called over the belief of a counterfeit $20 bill. Prosecution says he refused to let up on 
uh, Floyd's neck after being on the force for over 19 years. And Chauvin's lawyer claimed that the cause of death was drugs in his system and underlining health condition of heart disease. On the first day, we heard from three different witnesses. The first was a witness who recorded one of the seven videos that went viral. Another one was a 911 dispatcher who had to call the police on the police. The prosecution played the 19-minute video uh, and which showed Floyd saying that he can't breathe 20 times. Uh, Chauvin has been charged with second-degree murder and third-degree manslaughter. Second-degree murder alone can get him up to 40 years in prison. On the jury, there are nine women and five men. Eight are white, four are black, and two of them are multi-race. And Chauvin was seen taking notes throughout the day of the first day of the trial. That brings us to day two of the trial. Six people were called to the witness stand that day. One was a 17-year-old who had her face blurred due to the fact that she was a minor. She recorded one of the videos that went viral, and she told that almost every night before bed, she sees George Floyd and apologized to him, apologizes to him for not doing more. The next witness called up was a nine-year-old girl who witnessed it. She told the jury seeing it happened made her sad and mad and scared for her family. And another witness was a firefighter that was called to the scene. She told the jury she was prevented from doing her job of saving lives, which at the time made her very frustrated. A mixed martial arts expert was also called to the stand as a witness. He said that Chauvin used the blood choke. He said that he had witnessed the murder and had to call 911 on the police the jury was seen taking notes throughout the day. On the third day of the trial, um, every day the prosecution has been showing new, never be seen footage. Wednesday, they showed body camera footage and it showed a struggle to get Floyd into the cop car and then eventually putting him on the ground. And then 61 year old Charles McLean witnessed the entire thing and broke down in tears while reliving the event. Later on, he told the jury he confronted Chauvin about his actions. In the body cam footage, you hear Chauvin for the first time saying this. Gotta control this guy because he's a sizable guy. Yeah, and I thought he didn't get in the car. Looks like he's probably on something. Earlier, the prosecution showed new footage that had been released from the store where Floyd had been uh, less than two hours before he died. The store worker did tell the jury that Floyd did appear to be high. And now prosecution is starting to question the investigators in the case. We will have what happened in court on Thursday and today in Monday morning show. Moving 
away from the trial a little bit, talking about COVID-19. The White House just increased the COVID-19 vaccine. Monday, the CDC director shared some serious concern about the rise in cases. And this is what she had to say. I'm going to lose the script and I'm going to reflect on the recurring feeling I have of impending doom. We have so much to look forward to, so much promise and potential of where we are, and so much reason for hope. But right now, I'm scared. To combat these concerns, President Biden said by April 19th, 90% of adults will be eligible for the COVID-19 vaccine. Plus, he more than doubled the number of pharmacies from 17,000 to 40,000 available to distribute the vaccine. Beyond that, the federal government will set up a dozen more mass vaccination sites and will help seniors schedule their vaccine appointments and transport to and from their vaccine appointment. 31 states at this point have already committed to making all adults eligible for the vaccine by April 19th. Originally, President Biden hoped to make all adults eligible across all 50 states by May 1st. There has been some major changes to the stimulus. And if you have an ITIN, you might want to pay close attention to this. The IRS updated its guidance over the weekend saying, if you or your spouse financially qualified and both of you have ITIN, but, you're qual- but you have qualifying dependents, have social security numbers, those dependents will qualify for up to $1,400 each. This is a significant difference from the prior stimulus packages we've had. In the past, if one financially qualified and had an ITIN uh, under the first stimulus, that disqualified you and your entire family. Uh, For the second stimulus, Stimulus payments were issued to mixed-status households, but only if one of them had a social security number, and so did the, the dependent. For the third stimulus, if both spouses have an ITIN and the dependents have a social security number, then the stimulus payments will be issued for the dependents. And it's also important to note that if you have an ITIN and no dependents, you get $0. If you are missing your stimulus payment and on Social Security, the IRS announced your payment is coming by April 7th. Most people will start seeing it before then. They will most likely see them starting this weekend. Like we told you Monday, nearly 30 million stimulus payments going to Social Security beneficiaries were held up because the Social Security Administration was dragging their feet. Well, the IRS finally received these official payment files and turned them around in less than a week. So that means financially qualifying Social Security beneficiaries will receive their payment by direct deposit or existing express cards starting this weekend. We have some information about unemployment benefits. If you received unemployment benefits, uh, the IRS has released guidance that you are going to want to hear, so listen closely. 
Bottom line, if you want to take advantage of the $10,200 tax-free unemployment, do nothing. The IRS will recalculate your return for you and will start refunding your money if you qualify in May and will continue to roll out those refunds through the summer. Under the American Rescue Plan that just passed earlier last month, it allows people that earn less than 150000 AGI, the first 10200 is tax-free, to single filers, and up to 20400 if you file jointly with the average gross income of less than 150000 Keep in mind, this is only for your 2020 taxes. If you qual- qualify, they will recalculate your return you already sent. If there's an overpayment, you'll get a refund or the excess money will be applied to your outstanding tax debt. The IRS will do these calculations in two different phases. Phase one will be single tax filers who are eligible. And phase two will be qualified people who file jointly and those with more complicated tax returns. To read more, go to irs.gov. If you are struggling to pay your rent, the Biden administration has extended the eviction moratorium until June 30th. Now, it was supposed to expire Wednesday, but the CDC says the extension is necessary to prevent the continued spread of COVID-19 and prevent millions to experience homelessness. To be clear, this is not rent forgiveness. This is an, is an eviction moratorium. And when it's all over, you are going to be required to pay back all of the rent you missed. This does not simply apply to everyone. The CDC says to qualify the renter must signing document under penalty of perjury that they have made all efforts to qualify for government rental assistance made less than 99000 a year as a single filer or 198 filing jointly in 2020. Expect to make less than that in 2021, lost a job or received reduced hours or experienced significant financial loss due to COVID-19, made partial payments of rent that are as close as the full amount as possible, or experiencing a real possibility of becoming homeless if evicted. If you are doing illegal activity or can't prove any of these items above, you can still be evicted. Now we have new information about small businesses. Uh, If a small business is struggling to make payroll or rent, uh, you now have two more months to apply for the Paycheck Protection Program. The president signed a deadline extension for small business owners to apply for PPP loans. Uh, This will go from March 31st to May 31st. It also gives the Small Business Association until June to approve and process the loans that are in the queue. The PPP loan was, of course, created to help small businesses during the pandemic. If the money is used correctly, the loan can be forgotten by the federal government through the recent stimulus package uh, to small business owners to draw from the program. According to the SBA, 
9 million loans have been approved, and the majority of the loans are under 50,000, and the biggest group of loans went to struggling restaurants. The president said that while there's still money in the PPP loan pot, qualifying businesses should definitely apply. Uh, To get more information, go to sba.gov, click relief options, and then PPP loans. There has been lots of buzz, one could say, about the recovery stimulus plan that President Biden announced in Pittsburgh Wednesday. This may not be exactly what people are thinking. Since the beginning of the Biden administration, there's been talk of two main stimulus proposals. The rescue plan that just passed for the $1.9 trillion, which included the $1,400 stimulus checks, and then the second plan he calls the recovery plan. This is the infrastructure investment plan. The White House says most likely it's going to be broken up into two separate packages, though. The first one invests trillions of dollars into roads, bridges, transportation, clean energy, and manufacturing. The second plan includes expansion in health care, increases the child tax credit, paid family medical leave, among other things. Now we'll point out, just because the word stimulus is being used, that doesn't mean that there's necessarily going to be another stimulus check going to you. Though many Democratic lawmakers are asking the president to include another stimulus check, none has been proposed at this point. Also remember that this is a presidential proposal, and that means that how it becomes a law will depend on its path through Congress. Now that me and Nick have explained exactly what is going on, let us tell you what's in this $2.2 trillion plan that will be spent over the next eight years. Hello, everyone. Tiny editor's note real fast. Uh, In this upcoming part right here, we are about to call uh, the first part of the uh, infrastructure plan uh, phase one. We just wanted to correct that and say it's piece one. This is not coming in phases. It's coming in pieces. That is all. Thank you for your time. In phase one, the president proposes a job plan because he says tons of workers will be needed to accomplish it all. Some of the work we are talking about is modernizing tens of thousands of miles of highways, roads, main streets, and bridges, modernizing public transit, improving airports, replacing lead pipes used for drinking water, rebuilding affordable, reliable, high-speed internet. This also includes modernizing public schools, maxing investments to reduce climate change, creating jobs for essential home care workers, revitalize manufacturing, and training Americans for the jobs of the future. And the second piece of this bill is how are they going to pay for it? So President Biden proposes the American tax plan, which reverses President Trump's 2017 corporate tax cuts for corporations, bringing the corporate tax rate to 28% instead of 21%, and ensuring companies pay at least some of the taxes by imposing a 15% minimum corporate tax and taxes to discourage companies from shipping their work overseas.
already there's a lot of pushback from Republicans and even some members of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Uh, just remember, at this time, it's just a proposal. This isn't going to happen overnight. It's going to take months for all this to be negotiated and figured out. So in a recent report before the infrastructure bill was released, earlier this month, there was a report released. It's a you know report card that's released every year. And the report card gave our infrastructure a C minus, and it's found 45% of Americans lack access to public transit. There is a water main break every two minutes and four in 10 bridges are 50 years, 50 plus years old. Well, that is it for our news packed Friday morning as far as the main segments go. Now we move into rapid and I will start. First off, marijuana was legalized in New York. If you want information about that, we do have an article over on Medium talking about the entire bill. Now, I might butcher her name. Jen Shah of the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City has been arrested for fraud and possible, possible pyramid scheme. Nick, tell me some good news to get this Friday ready to go right into this nice, beautiful weekend. All right. So when I saw this story, uh, it absolutely pulled at my heartstrings. So I, I had to bring it here. So these seven siblings um, lost both of their parents due to a car accident. So they were in the foster care system. And this couple, the wife was 50 years old, the husband 53. They were getting ready to retire their um last child was moving out they had had five children before um but the wife saw a post on facebook uh talking about these seven siblings and you know the story everything they went through um they had dealt with a lot of homeless you know times of homelessness and and all that and now they needed a home. Well, immediately, this story just kind of clung to her, and she tagged her husband in it, who saw it later that day. And when he got home, she asked him, like, did, did you see the post? And his immediate answer was, yes, we should adopt them. And right then and there, they started, you know, going through the process. They made a call um, to the place where the children were staying and began the process. So they took all seven of the children into their home, adopted all seven. And, um, you know, it was a real battle for them to get through the process because this was all happening right in the midst of uh, the start of the pandemic. And so the courthouses were shut down. And at, for a little while, um, they were fighting to wait until the courts reopened so that they could do the entire, you know, finish off the process in person and have the hearings in person. Unfortunately, this couldn't happen, but they still managed to get um, everything done. And on the day of the official adoption, 
they got all you know they had all seven children there and then they had the uh the five biological children there so the entire family was there in the park in their community celebrating and just and everything you know every they've been living there ever since wow that that's like a crazy story you know terrible that um they these seven kids lost their parents in a car crash but i mean you know, people usually discredit social media, but there, right there, was the power of social media. So, wow, that I don't, I don't really know what to say. That's just like a crazy story. And then to adopt all seven, I mean, just to adopt one, that's crazy. But to go all the way to adopt all seven, that that's a crazy story. And I, I don't know what to say. It's insane. The fact that they adopted all seven just blew my mind because it's like you said, it's rare that that happens. So many times you hear of, you know, if there are siblings that go into foster care together, you know, a lot of times they get separated and, you know, something like that happens, but nope, not this time. You had seven siblings who got to stay together as a family, all adopted. Just amazing. That is a great good news story nick you keep getting better and better with your good news stories very impressed with you sir um <laughs> that is the end of this friday morning episode make sure you come back monday morning for the latest news that happened over the weekend and our dumb law that is now tradition around here on wednesdays but until then make sure you follow us on all social medias make sure you follow us on specifically the blind boys politics twitter account for the latest 24-hour breaking news so you're always in the know and then follow us on our personal accounts to see what we're up to but until monday morning have a good weekend everyone see you later